Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Actors with Issues, where we sit down and chat with the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway and get some insight on the entertainment industry from the ground level and learn how to cope with some of the many issues that we as actors have to overcome. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala, and today I'm joined by actor Carlin James, who has guest starred on everything. Better Call Saul, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, American Crime Story, Versace, Dear White People, Criminal Minds, This Is Us, How to Get Away with Murder, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, and just a few weeks ago, NCIS Hawaii. Carlin, man, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for being hey, here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. <laughs> busy, busy man. But uh, we're going to chat about all of those wonderful credits in just a little bit. But first, we're going to start with our first segment called Getting to Know You. We're going to go back to what we used to do. I took away the timer, but we're going to go ahead and add it back on today. Oh, no. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock and see how many questions you can get through. Starting with coffee or tea? Coffee. Drama or comedy? Comedy. Film or television? Film. Hero or villain? Villain. Stage acting or screen acting? Screen. Favorite cartoon growing up? The Simpsons. If you could be in the revival or reboot of any TV show, which would you choose? Revival or reboot of any TV show? So one that I'm already failing. This is why I'm losing my time. I'm so (laughs) confident. Um, What's not on that's that's coming back? Uh, Safe Safe by the Bell? No, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh. Okay. Got it. Uh, What is the last show that you binged? You. Yeah, season three. <laughs> Do you have any secret talents? Uh, I could I could touch my nose, uh, the tip of my nose and my tongue. <laughs> uh, there we there go. go. And last question. Describe your worst audition in three words. No further explanation is needed. So just three words and that's it. Uh, embarrassing, uh, terrifying, <laughs> regret. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave the, we'll leave the story up to the imagination. <laughs> so Carlin, you've been a West coast boy your whole life, born in long beach. Now you're in LA. Uh, yeah. When did you first start acting? Um, 2012. Mm. I, 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 I wanted to dabble before then. I just never really focused. So I'd say 2011, 2012 is when I like, put my head down and actually got to work. Yeah. That's, and, that's all I really count. <laughs> and like, how did that whole thing start? Did you get started in like theater when you were younger or develop the sort of love for it later in life? No. Uh, uh, yeah. It was, it was later in life. Definitely. Yeah. I was actually at a, at a, like a convention an expo mm-hmm. and uh, um, um, my first manager approached me. Uh, he wasn't my manager at the time, of course, but um, he sent his assistant to approach me with a card, said, hey, if you're interested in acting or ever want to try it out, uh, give me a call. And then one day I was, you know, in the mood and I gave him a call and he got me into an improv class and three weeks in, I fell in love. And yeah, that's how I got in. And that was, uh, yeah, that was, that, yeah, that was a few years ago. So. <laughs> And you said it started with improv. So did you like, do you have like a, a, a desire to do comedy or are you like, okay, doing dramas? Cause that's the majority of what you've done have been like network TV dramas. 
Yeah, well, I, I'd say I said comedy during the like getting to know you round yeah. because I've done so many dramas. Yeah. And yeah. and and I love dramas and everything, but I want to change it up a little bit, you know. And I do appreciate the sitcom a lot more now. How like formulaic yet, like it's it's definitely a science. So in terms of comedy, is it like do you want to be in like a multicam sitcom like How I Met Your Mother or like a more single cam comedy like something like The Good Place or The Office like? what sort of, or, or like rom-coms, like comedic movies, like longer form, like what kind of comedy exactly interests you? I really like the single cam comedies, like The Office, like Superstore, Good Place. Mm-hmm. Those are a lot of fun to me. And I think uh, it'd probably be, a, it would feel like much more of a um, authentic transition from doing so many dramas and playing straight up, you know, get to play the truth of a lot of it. Yeah. You know, with uh, sitcoms, there's no real subtext. It's just like, kind of on the nose with the comedy and everything which is which is in itself just i don't know the, the first time i had a, such a big uh, audition for a sitcom it was like nine pages and mm. and the the writer and the producer and like i went through three rounds and they were all in every every round i definitely needed to take a class on it because i didn't know it was a, a different kind of acting you know what i mean yeah you know being on the east coast i haven't auditioned for I don't think any actual comedies, a few like comedic movies that have come my way. But in terms of like, um, you know, like sitcoms and whatnot, they just don't film on the East Coast. There was one recently, not even recently, it's like five years ago, maybe Kevin Can Wait with Kevin James that filmed like four or five years ago. Were there any sort of misconceptions that you experienced that you realized like later down the line were like completely untrue? Um, I thought that actors were... I would say in general, we're like out of touch, like with, with reality. And maybe, maybe now that I'm in there, maybe we are because it's a big old actor bubble, but I, I feel like, you know, in doing the work, the more, the more you, the more scripts you get to look at and characters you get to play, you actually get to discover more about, I know this sounds so pretentious, but like humanity, you know, and you empathy is a thing that didn't really I mean, I'm sure I didn't know what it really, really, really felt like, what it meant to be uh, empathetic to someone else's, you know, plight until I became an actor. So I, I, yeah, that was something that changed, something I learned. Yeah, I always find that interesting because I consider myself like a, a huge empath, um, someone that like really tries to relate to people and relate to their stories i mean that's literally why i started this podcast in the middle of the pandemic i was like let's talk let's chat with people and see what they're going through and share their stories because that's something i'm like really passionate about it's why i became an actor i'm like i want to know what other people go through too and emulate that and bring that forward and and all of that but that's always interesting and i feel like uh, actors don't talk about that a lot really like why they started acting so i was like oh like I got bitten by the acting bug and I loved it. I loved performing. And I'm like, but why, what, what is it really like in your, in, in our psyche, you know, and like our individual self that makes us want to do that. But yeah, that's I, interesting. I really like the, the storytelling of it, like mm-hmm. the, the performance and the storytelling of it, that is what attracted me to it. But I think growing up where, you know, growing up where I grew up and um, you know, my family, I, I, my, my dad is, uh, it's pretty like, you know, machismo, Machismo guy grew up with a, uh, I think he had like nine brothers, Jesus. you know, and they're, they're, they're pretty like, they're pretty, I guess they had that tough guy mentality, you know, and then in my area, it's, you don't really 
talk about your feelings too much. So it it wasn't it wasn't the empathy that that drew me to to like stepping into someone else's shoes and feeling what they felt. That that didn't hit me till like I really started getting into the groove of what what acting was mm-hmm. uh, and taking like good scene study classes. But um, yeah, just the storytelling was what drew me in. I mean, maybe it was empathy. I'm pretty sure it was. I just didn't know how to put that into words at the time, you know? Uh, is there anything that you know now that you wish you'd learned earlier in your career? I'm sure there's a hundred things, but does anything come to mind? Um, that that It's definitely like, it's it's a real journey and it doesn't happen overnight. Mm. You know, you, always, you I would always see people who or hear stories about people who got discovered doing things, you know? And I, I was then I realized, you know, you don't really get discovered. You get acknowledged because those fools who are getting discovered were actually in classes every night right. or like, you know, constantly taking classes and, and working on their craft and no one knew who they were. Just because you know them now doesn't mean they're brand new. They just, you know, they're on your radar now. And um, I think my problem was that I, I compared myself to that. So if I wasn't being, if I, if, if when I didn't have any success, you know, I thought, well, all these people are getting discovered and I'm not, you know, so what, what am I doing wrong? And um, I think I would, I wish I knew that earlier. So I wouldn't be so hard on myself, you know? Yeah. So I would know that it, it does take time and um, you're doing it right. Just keep grinding, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's something that, I mean, we all do that. We all, we, it's so hard not to compare yourself to other people and be like, I'm doing the same exact thing that they're doing. Why isn't it working out for me? It's like, you know, like this, this industry is just so appearance based and it's like, do you have the same look? Do you have the same reps? Do both of your reps office have the same sort of pull when it comes to relationships with casting? Um, and the whole notion of getting discovered, it's like, no one really gets discovered anymore by like, you know, uh, a producer doesn't see someone in a coffee shop and say, you, you're going to be a star. Here's my car. Give me a call. <laughs> like they get discovered like at a showcase at the end of a 12 week course or mm. at a play that they just rehearsed for two months for Like the whole notion of getting discovered is like discoveries are made accidentally. That yeah. producer, that manager, that talent scout purposefully bought a ticket to go see the show. <laughs> they went there like with a purpose, you know? So that whole notion of getting discovered is so so silly is such an old Hollywood mindset before you used to be able to just walk into the, you know, the Paramount lot and say like, I'm an actress. I'm dropping off my headshot. Like that's not, you don't, you can't do that anymore. You'll get thrown out. But yeah. And, and, you know, obviously the whole success overnight thing, you know, um, the notion of luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So it's like, if an opportunity presents itself and you're not prepared, it's not going to happen. Yeah. If you're always prepared and the opportunity never presents itself, something's not going to magically happen. So it really is a sort of mending of both of those things that leads to people's successes, you know? Yeah. And I think if I knew that too, like you're saying, uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? Like I would have been more prepared instead of being so like feeling so much self-pity, you know, why like, I think I would have known like, hey, just keep working, keep working, keep yeah. working, as opposed to, like I said, just boohooing. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah, but that's just, that's yeah. just me and, and, and mine. I was very hard on myself and there's a lot of insecurity starting out. So I was yeah. figuring that all out. 
Me too, man. I mean, I know all this stuff now. I'm 28. I wish I knew it when I was 18, when I was going to college or, you know, all that stuff. It's something you learn along the way and something that every actor goes through. Even if even if an actor knows all of this when they're like fresh 18 years old, there's still going to be so much more for them to learn. Like they know they know it's going to take a lot of hard work. They know you have to be prepared. They know you got to be educated. All of this stuff doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing for them going yeah. forward. You know, there's so many factors that go into success for the, for this industry. It's crazy. Totally. And one, one thing specifically is I was, when I started going in for auditions, I would get the craziest like anxiety, mm. like, like my, my hands would go numb, but the rest of my body would vibrate. You know that <laughs> feeling? Have you ever had that? And then yeah. like kind of dizzy, but I'm like hyper present. And <laughs> yeah. And then I would go into the room. I would be like, I just feel like they can all see it on me. Right. I would do my thing. Sometimes my voice would like stutter and I like, and then I'd leave and I'd be like, I killed it. You know, and I, of course I, <laughs> I probably didn't. No, I, I knew, I knew when I did and I knew when I didn't, I, I think so. But um, I wish I had known that earlier that, you get over that. And I would, I would give that advice to anyone who coming up now who faces that too. Cause I would tell my friends my, who had more experience than me of like, dude, does this go away or is it just me? And so for the longest time, I thought it's just me. I just, something's wrong with me. I don't think I could ever be successful because my anxiety gets, gets a hold of me mm. and I become this weird vibrating hand numbing, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of person. But again, uh, the more I prepared, the, the better my breath was. And I learned mm. that my hands would go numb because I wouldn't be breathing. I'd be like, I'd, I'd be holding my breath in between. Like, yeah. um, so once, once I was more prepared, I was more confident in my own self and my own body. And I was breathing better. My hands stopped getting numb. I was more present in the room and I could just do the work I prepared for, you know? I remember hearing um, in another interview, Sean Hayes, who is known for the show Will and Grace, his character people would be like oh my god your character has so much energy he's like yeah that's me that's my hyperactivity and i finally have an outlet for it he's like i'm terrified i'm hyper but my character is like this super flamboyant over the top energy type of guy so i get to just release it all and like is there a better feeling than that getting to release all of this tension in your role <laughs> like yeah. the pure therapy right exactly every day is therapy you go to work to therapy for eight hours <laughs> sounds amazing um so you know obviously as the show is called actors with issues we face a ton of issues you did talk about audition anxiety and that whole thing and there was something else you mentioned in um in, in the emails we had going back and forth was your approach to the business half of show business um so what can you talk about regarding your approach and all of that i, I like it just because um i've always liked business like when i was growing up and i would watch movies i was attracted to like those wall street movies and <laughs> yeah. where like if it was like a, that you know that old movie jerry Maguire. yeah the first time i saw it i was like i want to be an agent like i just like <laughs> that thing. and i like i like baseball so i like numbers i'm kind of a geek mm -hmm. like that so um for me it the way i approach the business part of it is i used to tell friends that acting is like going to to a, a university but you have no guidance counselors right you have no teachers and professors and like no one really to help you, but you have to try to find a way to graduate. You have to try to approach it with a plan. So what I ended up doing was I would be like, okay, but I, I had to sit down and tell myself, you're going to try to create for myself, right? Mm. Uh, that's going to be one part of it. Another part is to 
approach the industry side. So with my agents and reps, and then a third side is just what can I do on, on my own to make sure that all works out. So like basically creating for myself, I can't, I'm, I'm terrible, but by creating for myself, what it meant was to join, uh, like go to mixers, uh, places where I can meet writers and, you know, create those opportunities for myself. Uh, and then the industry side was how to build up uh, relationships with my reps, CDs, agents, managers, and that. So while I was doing that business side of things, the, as I, as I initially called it, creating for myself, but actually finding other creators to help me with, um, that one fulfilled me on, in, in a creative side of things because I was able to, to play with characters and experiment, low budget, short, student films, all those things. And it didn't, it didn't um, kill me so much that I, if I wasn't making huge strides in the industry side of things, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm all over the place. But <laughs> like, it, it's hard for us to climb, right? It took, yeah. it took me forever to get my first co-star in the industry, right? But I didn't, you know, sometimes when you're going through a rut and you're not able to make those strides on that business side, you feel, you can feel like less of an actor, like, cause we're hard on ourselves. Right. Yeah. So I made sure I was fulfilled creatively on one side of things by taking, going to class, you know, like I said, short films, student films, actors, access submissions, doing whatever you could for yourself. The other side was the business side of things on the business side of things. One step forward every day. That's the way I approached it. Right. So I, I, I really had to make it a habit, but I'd be like, hey, Siri, remind me to do this. Hey, Siri, remind me to send out a letter to my manager. Remind me to take mm-hmm. new headshots. Remind me to. But you really, I would really just break down the steps every day um, so that I would do one or two things towards the business side of my career, the admin side, um, so that, you know, you do one small thing a day at the end of the year, you've done 365 things. And, and that's a lot, you know, one step a day gets you pretty far. The way I approached, if, if I may, uh, the business is to make sure that because we are first creative beings, to make sure you're fulfilled creatively in a way that the business doesn't stress you out so much. If you can, like you said, break things down, you know, and just make sure I, was, I made, had to make sure I was creatively fulfilled so that my business side can think clearly and I can compartmentalize what I needed to do versus what I wanted to do at the same time. Yeah. That's honestly, see, the creative side is something that I have to work on because I like to think I have the business side down pat and all of that. And I'm very fortunate to have great reps and get auditions consistently. But like I had a, I had lunch with a friend that I hadn't seen since before the pandemic and he's new to New York and was asking me, you know, all the actor questions. And um, he had asked like, oh, do you still like self-submit or you just let your rep submit you for everything? And I was like, oh, I haven't self-submitted in a very long time. And I probably should for Mm -hmm. whatever reason. I was like, oh, my reps can handle it. But it's like, "Mm, Juan, you should, you know, still take initiative. (laughs) They get 10% of the cut. So there's still 90% more of the work that you have to do. Keep doing it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, And I I think, I mean, especially if you're, if you're trying to build up that package, it's great to, it's like, I'm still I haven't, I haven't really done too like much like low budget shorts and stuff in a while or uh, no student films in years, but I do want to do like an indie, you know, like Mm -hmm. something where I can play that villain because I don't get to play the villain. Right. I get to play the victim of the villain often, (laughs) you know? So I I think that's where those would really come in handy when you want to show off those muscles that, that haven't been given a chance 
to lift before, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, most of, I think I spent so much time in that developmental phase yeah. of that's why my mind, when you talk about business immediately went to that part of my career. Hey everyone, it's Juan here. If you're enjoying this week's episode so far, please subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you're listening and head over to Instagram at Actors with Issues and give us a follow. It really helps us out with getting sponsorships and booking some higher profile guests. If you have any friends or family that are actors and may want to hear advice from those who are in the thick of it, please recommend the show to them too. And if you guys have any questions for future guests, you can leave those in the comments on any of our Instagram posts and we'll be sure to include those in our next interview. Thank you all so, so much for your constant support. Now, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know if it's your most recent booking, but one of your most recent things that have aired is NCIS Hawaii. It's the third of in the NCIS franchise that you've been a part of. Um, you're like the third or fourth Filipino actor <laughs> that I know that's been part of, of the show. Um, what was it like? What was your audition process like for that? Um, was that your first like booking during the pandemic or how do you book other stuff during that time? It was my first audition since uh, my first booking since the pandemic. Uh, to be clear, I right before the pandemic started, uh, March 2020-ish, mid-March 20, uh-huh. when they shut down everything in LA, I um, had booked a job, a small job on a Nickelodeon show. Uh, the first day of shooting, they shut it down three hours into it, right? So I got to come back uh, and I was uh, to film that in mid-September 2020. Mm-hmm. And we were the only show on the Paramount lot. Like really? it was empty. And we were the only show on the lot uh, at the time. Uh, so I, I'm not really counting that, but. Yeah, because technically it was booked before, so. It was booked before. Um, but for NCIS Hawaii, that was a tough one because I had like four self-tapes I had to shoot that weekend. Mm. And it was like 20 pages total and just such different characters. Yeah. And um I didn't have too much time to overthink it because there's so much. I had to just keep moving on. Yeah. And um, I'm an overthinker, <laughs> literally. So, but I mean, I, I think that's probably why I booked it is because I didn't, I didn't overthink it. And I just, I, I went with my gut on it. Mm. And I, you know, I trusted myself uh, because I had to, I didn't have time not to. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it was, a, it was a great experience. And um, I already had a buddy who, um, well, he was an acquaintance at the time, uh, Kian uh, Talon. He's a series regular on the show. So I already knew he was out there in Hawaii. And so I hit him up and uh, I was like, hey, man, hopefully I can book this audition. Uh, I get to see you in Hawaii. And then, you know, I didn't embarrass myself three days, four days later. I was like, hey, I'll see you in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Told you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was cool because it, it was only one episode, only a few scenes, but they went ahead and the way they shot it was... They, they had to get one big scene out of the way um, in early July. And then they're like, 
oh, we're actually going to drop this episode for three weeks and have you come back to Hawaii again to shoot the rest of your stuff. So I was like, so you want me to take two trips to Hawaii? Sure. You know, like, I'm you guys are going to pay for two trips. Cool. <laughs> yeah. You're going to fly me first class and put me up in a nice hotel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that being that the stakes are up there, you know, like I hadn't booked something since, since the, the industry opened up again, mm. uh, it was really good to, to, um, to book a job. Cause you know, as actors, if after a while, you're like, if a few months go by, you're like, I'm never going to work again. <laughs> I'm never going to book another job again, yeah. you know, like, uh, and then you do, you get lucky or, or timing, you know, you, you, time and place kind of thing. Yeah. And so uh, it was good to know that I still could book. Um, and then it was a nice vacation. I'd never been to Hawaii before. It was beautiful. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's always at the time that you like most are doubting the most or are the most down about not booking that you end up booking something. Uh, one of our more recent guests, oh, it was Jeremy, it was Jeremy and Arroyo. He's one of our most recent guests on, on the show. He, um, I had asked him like, you know, have you experienced that sort of like you're down to the dumps? You don't know, like you're like ready to give up and then a job comes your way. And it's almost like the universe's way of saying like, yo, relax, good stuff for coming. Just hang on, <laughs> be patient. Um, and, and you talked about before how like, with your audition for the role and you ended up booking it, you kind of just like followed your instincts and just didn't overthink it. That ended up happening with me. The one job I booked during the pandemic, it was a reporter co-star. It's a reporter. So you don't have to overthink. It's a reporter, how do reporters talk, deliver the lines, ask the questions. And that's, and then that's it. So, you know, when I ended up booking it, I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't put any extra amount of effort into this. I just wore my suit and my tape and sent it off. Like, it's all, it's so strange. Like it's either the ones that you're like most sort of desperate or not desperate. It's not really the word, but we'll think of a better word. We'll, we'll look it up later, but you know, sort of <laughs> when you're desperate for, for the role or for whatever is when you end up getting it or when you're doubting yourself or when you least expect it is like, Total. you know, you had four auditions that weekend and I'm sure you're like, you got to book one of these. Come on. Like, <laughs> And then the one that you felt was the most sort of like nonchalant is the one you end up getting. Like, you know, <laughs> what are the odds? That's exactly what NCIS Hawaii was. So of the of the four roles uh, I had to read for over the weekend, that was the one I was most nonchalant about. Yeah, let's just get it so, done. Let's just yeah. <laughs> well, congrats on the reporter role. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to book one more before the year is out, but you know, we've got two months. There's That's still time. Old. There's Not still time. <laughs> It's okay. And um, I mean, I listed off a whole laundry list of all the other shows that you've worked on <laughs> in your career so far. Um, are there any standout experiences? You mentioned you have some stories, but uh, yeah. Do any stick out? Like if someone asks like, what's your favorite one? Do you have a favorite? I, I, I'll usually always say that my favorite one was um, NCIS New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Cause I had a, uh, it was a top of show guest, uh, which was, which meant like I was a more significant guest star. So I was working more days on this episode. It was a juicy role. I got to come up with an accent for it, um, which I, I didn't do get to do too much of. Uh, and it was in New Orleans, and I've always wanted to go to New Orleans. And yeah, it was it was one of the um, uh, yeah. So I'll usually say that, and see, I started saying it again. But no, 
for the sake of something else, um, Better Call Saul was amazing. Mm. I really, really had a good time uh, over there because I'd done the audition. Oh, this is, a, this is this still, I'm still very proud of myself for this. So it was, uh, <laughs> Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul is it's a really big casting office, right? Mm. And I mean, I'm a fan of everything they do. And it was my first time reading for them. And when I went in, I was like, okay, I need to separate myself. I need to make sure that I stand out and I'm memorable. And this character is basically, he goes in and he punks Bob Odenkirk, mm. right? Uh, on, the, on the episodes I did, um, it was only a, a few lines. But for the audition, they gave you all of the lines of this little gang, right? So for the audition, I basically went in. Uh, I did what I could do. And I was like, okay, I did pretty well. But I, uh, I, the CD gave me a, a note, a really good note. And it reminded me of a story that happened to me where I got punked after an acting class mm-hmm. outside of a subway, you know, in North Hollywood. Um, and I just, I was like, you know what, that was that was great direction it really and I shared it with her I was like it reminded me of a time when I got and I shared the story with her off camera after the audition just you know sneaking that little chit chat and I reenacted this story with me and the the casting assistant and I play the role in this reenacting the story of the guy punking mm. of the of the gangster who came who, who punked me yeah and and I it was a good story and I guess she enjoyed it. And, you know, like even when I, when I was punking the intimidating, the, uh, the casting assistant, he flinched. <laughs> I, did, I did the whole thing and I was like a little closer. Than, so for me, I was like, I got to get two auditions off in one. That's I was going to say, you got to sneak in an extra take there. <laughs> exactly. And improvise. it was, it was a, something that happened to me directly. And, yeah. you know, I got to step up to them and just talk to them. Uh, didn't hear from them for, three weeks or a mm-hmm. month randomly my, my manager called my manager at the time called me and was like hey so you're you're a, you're a choice which means you know a strong pin on mm-hmm. on uh, bcs and i i cussed him out i was like shut the fuck up dude shut <laughs> up shut the fuck up and he was like no for real and i was like oh my god so i started freaking out because i totally forgotten about it right and um flew me out there got to shoot it was cool they hung me upside down that was cool. I've never been to Albuquerque. Um, I loved it. I had a great time. I made two really good friends out there who were great actors, Corey Chapman and Tommy Nelson. We got really close. Uh, we spent a lot of time uh, going around Albuquerque. We got to go to uh, Bob, Bob, uh, Bob, Bob Odenkirk. Um, he made sure that we were taken care of and was like, he had his assistant reach out to us and mm-hmm. took us out for tacos on St. Patrick's Day in downtown Albuquerque. Oh, so we man. got to see all of like a crowded downtown go crazy over him. Uh-huh. They, they love him out there, right? On the downtime, downtime certain times he ask us if we want to like throw a football around. So we'd go outside the studio and just <laughs> throw, throw the football around with Bob Odenkirk, who's an amazing actor, you know? Yeah, um, yeah I loved it. I mean, the hotel they put me up was next door to a Trader Joe's and a Dave and Buster's. Those are like two of my favorite things. So, yeah. Yeah, I've heard amazing things about Bob Odenkirk that he's like one of like the nicest guys in the industry. Like it's crazy the how and like how like revered and respected he is. Like, was it when there was an accident on set recently or he was involved in something and like everybody was just like pouring out love for him because he's so like respected and loved in, in the industry and 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's so it's so like heartwarming and reassuring that all of the Hollywood BS that people try and tell you, like actors are toxic, they're vapid, they're horrible. Like, no, they're cool, they're nice. Like some of like these number ones on the call sheet who have their own show for years now and were on a successful show beforehand, like they're cool. Like they're looking out for the 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 newer or the you know the the younger actors who are like you know on their show they're treating making them feel welcome from the get-go he was giving i mean i want to say i mean unsolicited advice because we didn't ask for it but that that usually has such a negative you know connotation to it this was when 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 bob odenkirk is going to give you advice you listen you know what i mean like so it was awesome how much he was willing to be this uh, just for the short amount of time that we were there, a few weeks, you know, be this, uh, whenever he was around, be a, a mentor of sorts. Yeah. That was, that, that was great. And, I mean, you always wish we could be in those positions to pick someone's brain. Right. Who's, who's someone like him. And thank God, like you're saying something happened. I think, I believe he fainted on set. Yeah. So thank goodness he's okay. Cause yeah. Cause, cause from everything I've heard and you just confirmed, you know, he's an amazing guy. So. And he's very much trying to pay it forward. You know, he's like, I don't know if this kid's going to be the star of a show I guest star in in 10 years, you know, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So we're going to go to our last segment called Now That We Know You, because we've gotten to know you for the last 45 minutes or so. Uh, But yeah, these are not timed, not rapid fire. So don't feel the need that you have to like, (laughs) you know, shout out answers. Um, So fill in the blank. For this first one if i weren't working in the arts i'd be i have no idea i'd, I'd say some something with finance mm. I, I i before before i was doing acting i was a financial advisor's assistant um and i was terrible at that job <laughs> i was terrible i didn't know how to fill out forms um i was always late I, yeah but I, I i wanted to be a shark you know like i told okay. you i wanted to be an agent a manager or something yeah. Yeah, like numbers so yeah, pretty boring. What's a world issue that you think people should care more about? Ooh. Right now, it's, right now I'm thinking world hunger just because I know the whole, I've been following that thing with Elon Musk talking about how, you know, if, um, if the, the, the UN was saying that 2% of his, um, of his net worth would help world hunger. And he came back and he said, I'll give you $6 billion if you can give me a a plan. Right. He's like, cool. If you can explain and break down how that would happen, by all means, (laughs) like, I mean, it was a great, it was a great response by what the, what the UN uh, chief come came back and said, right. The, he was like, Oh my gosh, thank you for joining this conversation. (laughs) Like so happy, you know, we're going to do that for you. So I think, I think they responded really well in a way that now if he, if, if Elon was even at the least being sarcastic, he can't anymore. It's a drop in the bucket. It's 2%. He'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's made like, I remember his net worth because I follow stocks and stuff like that is uh, maybe a month ago was a hundred dollars, a hundred billion dollars less, but Tesla has been on a crazy ride. Yeah. So yeah. Super fun stuff. See, told you finance. (laughs) I mean, I have stocks and I have Robin Hood and all that. You know, I'm I'm your yeah. guy. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Oh, I feel you. If you could try a job just for one day to see if you'd like it, which would you choose? 
Uh, mine would be um, oh, I'd like to play for the the Dodgers for one day. For oh, okay. One day. Yeah. yeah, I'd probably get I, I well I would get my ass kicked in every part of it, but I would I'd like to do it just because I grew up such a big Dodger fan. Do a Freaky Friday with one of the players and just see what a day you know what a game yeah. is like. Yeah, and just being around like fifty five thousand people. What was your biggest takeaway from the pandemic? Oh, wash your hands. <laughs> if well, there not, is a takeaway at all, I, know, that, I, people. I always I always wash my hands. But I realized just really like how many people don't wash their hands Mm -hmm. and how important it is and how it's like, you know, really just hygiene is something we really need to pay attention to people, especially at 24 hour fitness in November, (laughs) wash your hands. A a, a better takeaway or another takeaway I would say is that like, we can make time for things. Mm. I feel like, you know, as an actor, we're, we're like these entrepreneurs or we're we're focused on ourselves as a business that we take ourselves too seriously Mm -hmm. we we feel like we're we have to move from thing to thing day to day so fast and i think we can slow down and make dinner you know right you you can sit still and watch a tv show because god forbid you know it's hard for me to, to to not multitask so i think that taught me hey you can chill out just for a minute and you know let your un, allow yourself the time to unwind without feeling guilty. Right. Like God, that, that was uh, something that a lot of people, especially early on in the pandemic, a lot of the guests on the show would say, they'd be like, Oh, I like learned how to take care of myself. I like did a face mask. I watched the season of that show that everyone was talking about that I never got to watch. Like you will be amazed how much of a difference just taking an hour to watch that TV show every night with your family or your partner or whoever it is will make in like your mood the next morning. 100%. And uh, last question in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? And turn, I, I got my fingers up. You can't see this, but 10 words or less. Stop worrying so much. Do the work. Going to be okay. There you go. Stop worrying so much. Do the work. Gonna be okay. Awesome. Carlin, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It was great chatting with you. Uh, where can people find you on, on Instagram if they want to give you a follow? Uh, you can give me a follow at IAM Carlin James. And you all can follow us on Instagram at Actors with Issues. Give me a follow at Juaniala Official. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Catch new episodes now on our new release day every Monday. I'm Juan Ayala, that's Carlin James, this is Actress with Issues, and we'll see you next week.